We are studying Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And there's one verse that we're, we're keying in on today. We're at verse 20. It says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding the things to come. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding the things to come. And so let's summarize. Now we go back to the Old Testament to learn about Jacob and Esau and what he's talking about here. So let's summarize uh, what we learned last week. So Jacob and Esau were born to uh, uh, Rebekah. Rebekah was barren for 20 years. It says her husband prayed for her. We don't know if he prayed for her for 20 years before she gave birth or he prayed to her, prayed for her after 20 years, but he prayed for her. She conceived. She felt struggling within her womb and she asked of the Lord, what's happening? And the Lord showed her, he said, there are two nations. This is in Genesis 25, 23. The Lord said to her, there are two nations in your womb and two people will be separated from your body and one people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. This is the promise that he gave to them. And Rebecca was holding on to this promise. Isaac sort of forgot this promise. And then we showed about how when the boys were grow, grew up that, that Esau was an impulsive man. He came in from his hunting and, and uh, uh, he sold his birthright for a bowl of red lentils. And, uh, and, and Jacob was glad to have him sell it and glad to take advantage of his, of his impulsiveness. So there was error on both parts. Jacob taking advantage of his brother's impulsiveness, making him swear that he would give him the birthright. Remember, the birthright is that two-thirds, two-thirds of what was going to be inherited would go to the oldest child, And one-third is to be split with all the other children. In this case, only one child. But one-third is to be split. And and, uh, in fact, in the end, Jacob actually may have given back that third because in the end, he meets up with Esau and he he gives him many gifts to appease him. And it may well have been the equivalent to the one-third that he had, had taken from him. But in any case, in the end, God always works these things out. But... We also see that it's, it says it says that uh, um, in verse 27 of, of Genesis chapter 25, when the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. There was no good reason why Esau loved why why Jacob loved Esau. It was just because he had a taste for his game. That's not a good reason to have a spe- specific love for, for a child. And, and uh, Rebecca, it says, loved Jacob. Jacob, it says, was a peaceful child. That is at least a better reason. At the end of, of Genesis chapter 26, there's one, one verse here at the end of verse 34. Genesis 26, 34. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Berai, the Hittite, and Basimoth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. So he married two wives of the people of the land. There was no adhering to the covenant that there was a line that was going to be established through Abraham. He was already mixing with the people of the land. And the New Testament says, says twice, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated, God said. Because Esau, it says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, that Esau was an immoral and godless man. So remember that, he was immoral and godless. We have the advantage of the New Testament which gives us God's commentary on the Old Testament. If we didn't have that, we would know a lot less about what God thought about what was going on in the Old Testament. We have God's commentary on the Old Testament within the New Testament. 
So then in Jacob, in, in Genesis chapter 27, we started this last week. Now it came about, verse 1, when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see that he called his older son Esau and he said to him, my son. And he said to him, here I am. Isaac said, behold, now I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare a savory dish for me, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, so that my soul may bless you before I die. So Jacob now, uh, um, so, so uh, um, Isaac now thinks that he's about to die. He actually is going to live 20 to 40 years more than this. But he thinks he's going to die. His cataracts have blinded him. It, it may well have been cataracts because it, it talks about his eyes being dim now. And he tells his, his oldest son, go out and I'm going to give you the blessing. The paternal blessing is going to come upon you. He is ignoring what God had spoken before their birth, that the older would serve the younger. He wants to do this the normal way, not God's way. So he says, go out and get your gear. You get for me. Everything is about me. Prepare a savory dish for me as I love and bring it to me that I may eat so that my soul may bless you before I die. Everything is about him. And he's going to bless his son for a savory meal. We see where the impulsiveness of Esau came from. And so he's going to do this. Rebecca hears about this. It says Rebecca in verse 5 was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for the game to bring home, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speaking about your brother Esau saying, bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before I die. She added that last part, that I may bless you in the presence of the Lord before I die, that I may bless you in the presence of Yahweh before I die. He had nothing of God in that when he sent his son out. There was nothing of God in it. There was nothing of the blessing of Abraham. Nothing of that. She added this to make him look better than he really was. And that is the sign of, 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 an, of a respect and honoring. But it is no respect to do what she's now about to do. She said, bring me some grain and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, listen, my son. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat, so that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to his mother, Rebekah, Behold, Esau, my brother, is hairy, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and then I will be a deceiver in his sight, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. So, Jacob starts thinking about this thing. He says, If I do what you tell me, my father may feel my hands. It says, it says that when Esau was born, he was born, even born hairy. So he's one of these guys that has all these hair on the back of his hands and coming out from his neck and all these things. And, and he said, I'm not like that. My father may touch me and, and, and know the difference. So you see, he's not concerned about the deception. He never says, no, this is deceptive. He never says that. He's concerned about being caught and being cursed. He's learned from his mother actually how to be quite deceptive. And be quite manipulative. But his mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and get them for me. This is very, this is very Middle Eastern to say this sort of thing. Your curse be upon me. In fact, when my kids were growing up, and even to this day, when they sneeze, 
You know, I will say, bless you. That's our common way, our expression. Shireen will say, Mami Sadke. Mami Sadke means, Mommy sacrifices herself for you. That cold be upon me. Mommy sacrifices herself for you. So sometimes when they sneeze, I say, Mommy Sadke. <laughs> but it, it, it's a very Eastern sort of thing to say this. That curse that you might get be upon me, she says. So he says, okay, then I'm good to go because curses could be transferred. She was going to take this. So then I'm good to go. So he went and he got them and he brought them to his mother and she made a savory, savory food such as his father loved. So she knew exactly how to cook as this man loved. And Jacob was also a cook. Remember, he was making the red lentils. Esau was a cook because his father said, you go and you get the game and you cook for me a meal. And so, and, and, and that's how he actually won his father's heart because he cooked game the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the young goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck, so that this on the smooth part of his neck. She also gave the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. Then he came to his father. He said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Get up, please. Sit and eat of the game that you may bless me. Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have it so quickly, my son? He said, Because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. Okay, so he comes into his father with this meal that his mother has prepared. Deceptively, he says, my father. Which is a really honoring thing to say, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? So he recognizes that this is his son, but he's expecting Esau to be coming in. And he recognizes that there's not there's something quite not, right, not quite right here. It could be the voices we're going to learn further on down. It's also the words that are said. He says, my father. You will see when Esau comes in, he never says, my father. He was a brazen man. He never said, my father. This boy who comes in, this, this son who comes in says, my father. Already, Isaac is detecting some problem here. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. So he lied. So deception is turning into a lie. And I have you, and I have done as you have told me. Get up, please, sit and eat of the game that you may bless me. That word please is another word of respect. We will look down later about what Esau says when he comes in. He just says, get up, eat and bless me. Never my father, he never says please. If you look in the NIV, it inserts the word please. The NIV is a paraphrase. It is not a direct translation. The New American Standard, the Revised, Ver Revised Standard Version, you won't see please there. If you look in the Young's literal translation, you will not see please there when Esau comes in. Every word in the Bible, every word in the Bible, and Jews learn this, every word in the Bible has a meaning. God places something there. In fact, they even say not even every word, every jot, every tittle has a meaning. This man says please. His brother never says please. So when he says, get up, please, sit and eat my game that you may bless me, Isaac doesn't say, oh, good, it's, it's, uh, it's Esau. 
He's detecting that this is not the way Esau speaks. This is too polite. Esau is a brazen man. The New Testament says he is a godless and immoral man. He says, get up, please, sit and eat the game that you may bless me. Isaac said to his son, how is it that you've gotten it so quickly, my son? And he says, because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. He doesn't say because my God caused it to happen. He's in the midst of a lie. He can't start calling upon the name of God. It's too convicting for him. So he says, the Lord your God caused it to happen for me. Again, you would think that this would pacify Isaac. And he would say, okay, now I understand this is Esau. But no, if this guy is going to invoke the name of the Lord your God, Yahweh, your God, the Jewish term, Yahweh, your God. This doesn't sound like Esau. Esau doesn't speak like this. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. Had those words appeased him, he never would have said, let me, let me feel you. Let me touch you. This is all suspicious to him. And what he's doing is he's ignoring the voice and he's now going to his other senses. He's ignoring the voice. It is actually the voice of God that we are supposed to be responsive to. It is the word of God that we're supposed to be responsive to. His word in our lives. The voice. He's turning now to other things. He says, let me feel you. Something further down in the analysis. He says, let me feel you, my son. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him. And he said, the voice is the voice of Jacob. But the hands are the hands of Esau. Remember, he had those young goat skins on his hands. A young goat, a young goat has just some hair, not a lot of hair, not like a, an adult goat. So it feels much more like human hair. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau hand, his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him and he said, "Are you really my son Esau?" And he said, "I am." I mean, this is getting kind of crazy. Are you really my son Esau? This is like when I, when I fill out a grant proposal, I have to fill out all these forms that say, do you maintain a drug-free environment? And I say, of course I maintain a drug-free environment in my workplace. You'd have to be on drugs to say, no, I don't maintain a drug-free environment. Don't fund me. <laughs> you see how silly these forms are? One day some people were concerned that they thought maybe some, some foreign spies had started working in my laboratory. And they came in to talk to me about this. I said, look, you know, you guys are going to have to stop these folks at the border. It's not up to me to analyze if people are foreign. But how am I going to know? So I got together with my whole group and I asked them a question. And then I went back and reported to these people. I said, I asked everyone in my group if they are spies and they all said no. <laughs> this is exactly what the man did. He says, are you really my son Esau? Oh, no, I'm lying. I'm, re <laughs> I'm really Jacob. What do you expect him to say? He's just been lying to you. And he said, I am. So he said, bring it to me and I will eat of my son's game that I may bless you. And he brought it to him and he ate. He also brought him the wine and he drank. Then his father, said to, then his father Isaac said to him, please come close and kiss me, my son. So now his, his father is going to use the most beast-like sense. And this is the sense of smell. His father still doesn't quite believe this. So he came close and he kissed him. 
And he smelled the smell of his garments, and he blessed him, and he said, See the smell of my son. It is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now, the Lord never blessed a field. In fact, it is the field in which, it was a field in which Cain slew Abel and hid him in a field. Then he gives this blessing. He says, now may, the God, may, now may God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you and blessed be those who bless you. This could just as well have been a pagan prayer. He makes reference to God, a far out God. He never says the Lord your God, Yahweh your God. He never makes reference to Abraham. He never makes reference to the, the, the bloodline of Abraham. He never makes reference to the blessing of Abraham. Abraham had two covenants, the covenant of circumcision and the covenant of the land. He never makes reference to the land. This is almost like a pagan prayer. You see how far Isaac had strayed. His father, Abraham, had been such a godly man. But this guy was going to go against something that he knew. He knew that God had said the, the older will serve the younger, but he's going to try to reverse this with his blessing. It's hard for him to invoke the name of God, Yahweh, when he knows he's doing that which is wrong. It's very hard for us to invoke the name of God when we're doing that which we know is wrong. Now it came about in verse 30, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Then he made, he also made savory food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father rise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. You see how coarse this is? None of my father, none of that. Not please get up. He says, let my father arise and eat so that you can bless me. Exactly the same type of thing that Isaac had said. Do this for me, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me. A brazen son, a godless. There is no mention of God in his, in his words. A godless and immoral man. Isaac, his father, said to him, Who are you? And he said, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently and said, Who then? Who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate of all of it before you came and blessed him? You see that, that, that Isaac couldn't even tell the difference between the, the two goats and wild game. He was sorely deceived. Yes, and he shall be blessed. Who was it that came? I blessed him, and yes, he shall be blessed. This is what the New Testament is talking about. By faith, Isaac blessed his children. He really believed that these prayers and blessings mean something. When you pray over your children, it really means something. What we proclaim over our children really means something. If we say you are useless, it really means something. Our words have power. If we say you'll never amount to much, it means something. Our words have power. This is why we proclaim over our children blessing upon blessing, encouragement upon encouragement. We speak well of them. We speak highly of them. And he blessed them. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me 
even me also, O my father. So you see that when Isaac heard this, he trembled violently. What's with the trembling? Because he realized that God had spoken and said that the older is going to serve the younger. He had tried to bypass this and God won. In the end, God wins. When we forsake the things of God, remember, in the end, He will win. Our lives may be destroyed, but in the end, He will win. His purposes will be accomplished. Either we will come in conformity to Him and His will, or we will be the ones that will be lost out. He will win in the end. And Isaac immediately recognizes this. He shakes violently, and now his whole attitude changes. Because he knows God has won. God's word has come true. He realizes this. Isaac had come in and said, Rise up, eat, and bless me. That was the first time he said, Bless me. And then when he hears this, he says, When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. Here is a grown man, probably 40 years old. You say, Well, these sound like younger guys, like 20. Well, 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 the old 40 is the new 20. These people lived about twice as long as we live. And, and uh, um, he said, he, he said uh, uh, it says that he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. So the guy shouts, ah, exceedingly great and bitter cry when he realizes what's happened. And he said to his father, bless me, even me, also my father. So he cries out again, bless me, bless me. Four times he's going to cry to his father, bless me also. Bless me, even me also, oh my father. Look how he's just cast down into a position of dependency. Now all of a sudden he's saying, my father. And he said... Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Then he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Actually, he didn't take it from him. He sold it. He is the one who sold it. But an immoral man never sees his own wrong. As it says in the book of Proverbs, We destroy our own lives. And then we cry out to God, You're not kind to me. Have you not reserved a blessing? To, and he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac replied to Esau, behold, I have made him your master and all his relatives I have given to him as ser- and all his relatives I have given to him as servants. And with grain and new wine, I have sustained him. Now as for you then, what can I do, my son? Isaac now really believed that violent shaking that was of the Lord he realized the Lord won on this one. The Lord won. Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also. That's the fourth time he cries out, bless me. So Esau lifted up his voice and wept. This is a grown man, a hunter, a brazen man, weeping like a child. Immoral and godless lives lead to destruction and pain in our lives. We think we are brazen and we can master all these things. It leads to utter pain. 
Then Isaac, his father, answered. So now you've got this kid screaming and crying four times saying, bless me. He says, okay, here's what I'll bless you with. He said to him, behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling. And away from the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live. And your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about when you become restless that you will break his yoke from your neck. I'd rather he hadn't have said that. That's what he proclaimed over him. That's what the New Testament is talking about. The New Testament, remember, God is very generous. He says, by faith, Isaac blessed his two sons, Jacob and Esau. It's that one little line. God is generous. He saw that sign of faith and he spoke highly of him in the New Testament. Because at this point, he really believed. He knew God had won. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed, blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So he thought, as soon as my father dies, I'm going to kill my brother. It says, I want you to look at this carefully. It says, Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now, when the words of her elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she sent and she called her younger son Jacob and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. He said this to himself. He said something. He said certain words, not explicit. He said certain words. The main crux of the argument of what he said was to himself. But there were certain words he said that were reported to Rebecca, and she knew her son. She knew she, he was planning to kill, that Esau was going to kill Jacob. She well knew this at this point. Deception brings great problems into a person's life. Great problems. Before she was worried about a blessing, now what she worried about now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Haran, to my brother Laban. Stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides, until your brother's anger against you subsides and he forgets what you did to him. Then I will send and get you from there. Why should I be bereaved of both of you in one day? Why should I be bereaved of both of you? In other words, if he tries to kill you, I know he's not going to be just able to kill you. I know, Jacob, you're going to... You're going to kill him back. You're both going to die that day. Jacob was pretty tough. It says he was a peaceful man. But remember his brother came in hungry from the field. He said, give me some of that food. He said, no. Give me some of that food. No. He says, you want it? You sell me your, your, your birthright. He says, all right, you got it. He says, you swear to me that I got your birthright. I mean, Jacob was not a pushover. Not at all. He had learned from his mother. He was not a pushover. And later on, it talks about Jacob when he ends up going to Laban's home. There is a well, and on that well is a stone. And they have to wait for many, a group of shepherds to come and roll away that stone. And Jacob rolls away that stone all by himself. Now he was trying to impress Rachel, who was there. Nonetheless, he was able to remove a stone that it took many men combined to remove. So he was not a weak man in any way. 
And she knew that if Esau had tried to kill him, that he was going to kill Esau in return. And I would be bereaved of both of my sons in a single day. She knew this. She taught her son to deceive. She taught him how to deceive. And Jacob's life turned out to be a life of torment. Jacob is going to end up going to Laban's home instead of getting a wife quickly in a day like Isaac got his wife through, through Abraham's servant. He met his match on deceivers. Laban was a much bigger deceiver than he was. And remember, he was the brother of Rebekah. So they had grown up in a deceptive family. Laban really knew how to deceive and he got 20 years of work out of, out of uh, Jacob. 20 years worth. He was a master deceiver. You walk in deception, you will find people deceive you. God will bring in your life people that are shrewder deceivers than you are. You cheat people, God will bring bigger cheats in your life. Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Abundantly, overflowing and in his lap. If you sow iniquity, you will reap iniquity, the scriptures say. What a parent teaches a child, they learn in, in, in just orders of magnitude more. If a parent teaches a child to be racist, that child really grows up to be a master racist, much more than his parent. What we teach our children that is evil, they will learn many times over. When I was a child, I started first grade, the first year they started busing, the African-American students into, into the white schools in New York State. And, and uh, it was just outside of New York City and they would bus the, 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 uh, the uh, black students into the white schools. And I remember I was hold, I, I don't even remember this. I remember we were holding hands around the flagpole and the parents were there because it was our first day. And when I got done, my mother came up to me and she said, you were holding the hand of a black boy. I didn't even know what she was talking about. She found that boy's mother and she invited the mother and the boy into our home. I remember when my mother marched with Dr. Martin Luther King in New York City, which was not easy for a white person to do. And my mother was an immigrant, a white immigrant, to march with him. And then she brought me to his home and dropped me off there in the projects. And I ate in his home. And then there were other kids that I would meet and they would come into my home. I remember when they first came into my home, these little black children. I remember looking around our home and saying, how many people live here? I said, just my family. They were amazed. When I went into their home, I remember what I saw, something that I had never seen before. There's a bathtub, a toilet, a kitchen, a bed, all in one room in their little apartment. What my mother taught me stuck with me. You teach your children good, it sticks with them. This is why I don't understand it when, when people say, you know, you just... You know, you, you white guys, you don't understand what we go through. You don't, I'm thinking, I don't even know what you're talking about. I wasn't raised like that at all. Never like that at all. You don't even know who you're talking to. The way my mother raised me. I remember the day Martin Luther King got shot. My mother wept. She just was crying. And I was just a little kid looking at her. She said, oh, this was a great man. We've lost a great man this day. 
What you teach your children when they're young, they will always remember. I remember my mother did the income tax. My father was always out working. My mother did the income tax. I said, I heard everybody cheats on their income tax. I was, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. And I remember my mother looked at me. She said, I never cheat on my income tax. Never. That has stuck with me long before I was a believer. I will never cheat on my income tax. The things we drop in our children's lives, they learn. You think you're going to drop in a little bit of wickedness? A little bit of your prejudice? A little bit of your anger towards somebody? Oh, they will pick it up much more. And then you will bring even more masterful wicked people into their lives as a result. Rebecca, I'm just going to finish it up. What happened to Rebecca's life? She was bereaved of her sons. She says in verse 40, Rebecca said to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth like these, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? And then in in Genesis chapter 28, Isaac comes to his senses and he gives a real blessing over his son. He says, you go and you get the proper wife from among our relatives because there's a blessing of Abraham. And he sends him on his way and here's the prayer that he prays over him now. In verse 3 of Genesis 28, may God Almighty, this isn't just some generic God, may God Almighty, El Shaddai, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of people. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham. Now he invokes Abraham. May he give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you that you may possess the land of your sojourning. Again, the blessing of the land. Which God gave to Abraham. He has now come to his sentences. Then Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Paddan Aram, to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. You talk about what does the New Testament think of Rebekah. There is only one mention of her, and not it's not about her. It's that she's the woman who gave birth to Jacob and Esau. What about her burial? Zero. Zero is mentioned about her death. You know what's mentioned? Is the death of her maid, Deborah. And the burying of her maid, Deborah. And where her, her maid was buried. Nothing about her burial. The only mention of where she was buried came when Jacob was dying. In his last prayer, he said, bury me where my father and mother are buried, and he named the, 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 the cave. And you can go to see that place today. It's the same place that, that, that uh, Abraham and Sarah are buried. Then, then uh, uh, Isaac and, and uh, uh, Rebekah are buried there. We don't realize that until Genesis chapter 49. But the Bible never even covers her death. Nothing about it. All the other women of God had covered. You work deceitfully. If you don't understand authority, you lose out in life. If you don't understand authority, you lose out in life. You try to go around your husband's back. You say, well, how else could she have done it? How about praying and asking God to take care of it? Because Balaam was going to curse the children of Israel. And it says quite clearly in the scriptures that God took that curse in Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 2. Balaam is talked about in Numbers, but it says in Nehemiah 13, verse 2, that God took the curse and turned it around into a blessing. He was unable to get the curse words out of his mouth. He ended up blessing Israel. God could well have done it the same way. She went around his back. 
If you walk outside the authority of those who are over you in your workplace, in the church, in the body of Christ, in your home, you will lose out. There was a man who came to Jesus and said, he sent his servants to Jesus in, in, in Luke chapter 7. He was a centurion, a Roman centurion. He sent the Jewish leaders. He said, would you have Jesus heal my servant? He's terribly sick. And the Jewish uh, leaders came and they said, do this for him. He's been very good to us. This Roman centurion has been good to the Jewish people. He even built us our synagogue, meaning he underwrote the building of their synagogue. Jesus immediately started going to his house because Jesus knew the promise to Abraham, his, his father. Those who bless you, I will bless. So Jesus starts going to his house. And the man sends another servant and says, don't even come into my home. I'm a man under authority. I have people who do things for me and I myself am under, under authority. You just speak the word and it'll be done. It says Jesus marveled over that man. He said, I've never seen such faith like this in all of Israel. He said of a Roman centurion, I've never seen any faith like this in all of Israel. And he didn't say Israel of the New Testament. He said in all of Israel. Jesus has been there from the beginning. From Adam, I've never seen such faith as the centurion had. Because he understood authority. When you understand authority, Jesus puts that equal with, with faith. You understand what God can do. You understand what happens when you work against authority. Rebecca's life was not a testimony of great things. Some writers say she did the right thing. I can't see it. And if she had done the right thing, she would be spoken about highly like Sarah did. Abraham was doing some things. God said to him, listen to your wife. She didn't go behind his back. God interceded, told Abraham, listen to your wife. Don't go behind the back of those in authority over us. And the, let the blessing of God flow in your life. Let's pray. Abba, Father, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. You are so good and we praise your name. I pray for these young people that they would understand and learn something about authority this day that they would never forget. Not to speak evil of those in authority over them in the body of Christ, in their families, in their workplace. Although others may be speaking evil of the boss, of those over them. Father, that they would not speak an evil word. I pray, Lord, that they would not be deceivers, lest they find deceivers coming into their life who are far more deceptive than them. Father, I pray that through these lessons that you have taught us about Isaac, that you are generous, that even a little bit of faith, I'll testify of your name. Father, may they walk in faith. Teach them authority, I pray. Teach them to walk in uprightness. For the glory of God, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.